All right. Uh, Hi, everyone. And thanks so much for joining the Badass Women in Business podcast, where I interview interesting and successful women in business so we can all learn from their experiences. Today, I'm joined by Wendy Wu, who is a badass. Wendy is currently the Chief Marketing Officer of SailPoint Technologies. Prior to SailPoint, she was the VP of Marketing for Box, where I worked very closely with her. And I cannot believe it's been nearly three years uh, since since she left. Uh, Before Box, Wendy spent seven years in various marketing leadership roles at Google. And prior to that, she was at Microsoft for six years. Wendy grew up in Shanghai, China, and got her BA in English from Fudan University in Shanghai. She came to the States uh, after that and obtained her master's degree, actually two master's degrees in public policy and cultural anthropology uh, from Duke University here in North Carolina. So um, very impressive stuff, Wendy. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's so great to see you again. Yeah, cheers. All right. So I have a few questions prepared here. And if that's okay with you, we can dive right into them. Let's start it. All right, cool. So you are currently the CMO at SailPoint. Um, Can you share what is SailPoint and what does the role of CMO entail? Yeah, SailPoint is an identity security company that helps enterprise organizations manage and secure all of your identities and the identity's access to various application, data, and system. So those identities, you know, you and me both are workforce identity. We're the employees of the company, right? But there is also the non-employees, the contractors. There is the machines, the bots, the service accounts. So all of these identities, how do we make sure they have secure and proper access to our entire environment data? you know, IT systems is super critical to today's enterprise security. And we call it identity is now the new frontier for enterprise security. So as the CMO, my responsibility has three main areas, what I call it the the tripods of the, um, the, the CMO's responsibility. The first one is really to tell the market, to tell to the market who we are and what we do. Just like when I first um, interviewed the job, I actually haven't heard about SailPoint. So who is SailPoint? What they do, right? What is our messaging positioning? What is our storyline? How do we differentiate from our competitors? That's number one. Number two is obviously to drive the business growth. How do we build the demand gen function? How do we work together with sales? Like Amanda, you and I work together at Box, right? Drive that demand gen function to help build the business engine to drive the growth. And the third piece is obviously work together with our customers to help them adopt um, our technology, to help them, you know, um, onboard and see the value of our solution as soon as possible and celebrate their success by telling their success stories to the rest of the world so that their experience can be shared broadly. Great. Now, um, how big of a team do you have under you in this role? We have about 70-ish people on the marketing team. Nice. That's uh, that's impressive. <laughs> so, um, how, so, you know, you obviously started out uh, with a degree in English, similar to, as, as did I, actually. So, um, uh, but uh, how did you end up kind of getting to this point, right? So it's been, you know, quite a journey, right? From uh, BA, MA, or, sorry, master's degrees, two of them to hear, how would you say you ended up here? Yeah, um, it's a long story apparently, right? I grew up in Shanghai, China, 
One thing that I set a goal for myself is I really want to get the best education possible in the world. So when I was studying in high school and in college, I set my mind of coming to the States to pursue the higher education. And being an English major, you know, the choice is fairly limited when you're applying to graduate school. So I end up in cultural anthropology where, you know, I always have been fascinated by the different cultures and how that evolves. So I landed in cultural anthropology. But on my day one of being picked up at the airport of Durham, North Carolina, when I stepped onto the land of the United States, my um, advisor told me it takes 9.8 years on average to get a PhD degree in cultural anthropology, 9.8 years. And I was like, uh-oh, am I in the wrong place? God. <laughs> I, I just, you know, couldn't really see myself. Um, having the commitment to go through almost 10 years to get a PhD degree. And that was not something I knew when I was in China. And I was very honest with myself saying, am I committed or not? If I'm not committed, then what am I going to do next? So while I was studying in cultural anthropology, I realized I actually have a lot of passion in the, the way that technology is evolving. And I focused on studying the, the technology culture development back then was the internet, how the internet was booming. And then I realized actually I could do something on a policy development side to see how the policy is affecting the technology development, especially the internet back in the days. And that got me to the public policy school at Duke. And I was able to work with a professor and did a lot of research on that front. While at public policy department, you know, we were allowed to take lessons in different departments. And I've always had a, a passion for the business side. And I end up in Fuqua taking some lessons just on the business side. And that eventually got me to a um, marketing job uh, graduate after I graduated from Duke and started a role at Microsoft in the marketing department. And that from then on, I've always been in enterprise marketing. So, okay, so let's talk about that. So this is your first step into the sort of the business world is um, coming out of Duke, going into marketing. How did you make that step? Because a lot of our listeners are actually, you know, early stage, um, you know, in their careers. So that would be really good to understand. Yeah, I remember that moment when um, Microsoft was my first job out of school, right? They came to campus to interview. And I remember at a student center where they had booths along with many other companies, me being a public policy major back then, I was standing behind all the crowd. I was like, this, there is nothing um, that I can associate myself with a job in marketing from Microsoft. But somehow one guy at a Microsoft booth, um, he's today a friend now, right? He saw me standing in the back, sort of interested, but a little bit hesitant. He actually approached me. He said, hey, you know, we're from Microsoft. What do you have, right? I said, well, I'm in public policy. I have nothing to do with marketing per se. However, if anything I can think about, one, I've taken classes at Fuqua, and two, I've done some internships back in China, um, you know, when I was in college. If anything you think that would be relevant, then maybe, you know, we can talk. He told me this that I still remember today. He said, Microsoft doesn't really pick you because you have a marketing background per se, because you're just in the beginning of your journey. There are so many trainings we can give you, we can mold you, but we are looking for the right mindset and right talent. If we see potential in you, doesn't matter what major you're in, you can be in physics and we still hire you as the marketing recruit, right? And so turn out that is a marketing talent development program. And I was lucky enough to be selected. 
And from then on, they really trained me on all the marketing chops. And that was, you know, how I got started. I was fairly lucky in that sense. But the lesson I took away is don't make assumptions that you wouldn't be the fit for something, something, right? And always, you know, if you have the right mindset, if you want to get it, there is a way to make things happen. No, that's uh, that's phenomenal. I think that's a really good lesson. Um, and what I like is that you didn't shy, like he was like, hey, what do you do? You know, you're kind of interested and you didn't, um, you know, shut a door. You He opened a door a little bit and you walked right in. Like it's sort of Exactly. Like, so right? I owe a lot yeah. to that guy. He's today a CMO of a large company here today, right? So, you know, I think he's the, the person that showed me the way, but I was able to leverage the opportunity and, and shine through the process. Yeah. That's great. So that's how you got onto the current career path. Um, and then you spent many years working up the ranks at Microsoft and then to Google, then to Box, and then to your current role, right? Um, of all the roles you've had along the way, which was the one you enjoyed the most and why? I probably would say it's the role I'm having today. Um, I'm really, really enjoying being the CMO, not just because it comes with the power, the authority, the title, but it really gives me all aspects of marketing that now I can see and have influence on. And, you know, my understanding of marketing probably has never been this deep as compared to the previous role I had when I led just one particular function, whether it's product marketing or in dimension when I was at Box, right? Now I see marketing has so many levers we can use to help improve a business performance. Like from a messaging standpoint, that was the first thing I took on when I joined SailPoint is really to hone our message in a way that really would resonate with our target buyers. And that would set us apart from the competitors. And that would also enable our sellers to arm them with the right talk track they're going to use to engage. So that is one aspect. And then we looked at all of the product launch side, the product manage, product marketing side, right? From launch process to how we package things, how we price things, how we bring the product to market through all the GTM motions, enabling the sales. That is a second huge lever that we're realizing ton of value through it. And then obviously come to the dimension space. How do we host all of the campaigns and work on the advertising end and to work through the major events, our annual user conference and interact with customer in a very direct way to help them understand the value we provide. So that's a different perspective as well. And the last but not least, it's the customer angle. And it's always been a huge joy for me to talk to customers, understand you know, what's their challenge and how our solution could have or have, have, have had improved their performance and help them solve headaches and you know, solve security risks, that is giving me a sense of accomplishment. So being able to be in a CM role, I do have the luxury to see through all these aspects and have you know, just the ability to see how marketing can use all these levers to help our business moving forward. And that is something, you know, if you're not in a CMO seat, you probably wouldn't have that joy. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and it's, uh, it's nice that your favorite job is the one you're in. That's, 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 that's good news. Um, what was your first real job? The first real job is the one that I uh, took on at Microsoft. And there is a little bit of story to it. I was hired as the education marketing manager, right? When I was out of Duke 
But before I started, I remember that day I was shopping at Macy just to get myself the outfit to go ready for my day one, right? And then I got a call from a guy and he said, hey, I'm your new boss. Your hiring manager is no longer here anymore and I don't have a job for you. So basically, I lost my job before I even walked into the door at Microsoft. But it turned out to be actually a great thing for me because my manager, uh, my new manager, he was super supportive and open-minded. And he said, hey, Wendy, let's figure out what we're going to put on your responsibility, like what's going to be your um, plate going forward. And I told him I had some market research background back in China, and that was an area I enjoyed doing, being able to talk to customers, figure out a trends and gather data and formulate some recommendations for the business. So he said, great, because we didn't have a market research function at the public sector team I was on back then. So I sort of stood up that function and was able to work with the management team, analyze a lot of market trends, look at the data and you know participate in a lot of strategic discussion. And that also laid the foundation for me to have a data-driven mindset, which I'm still benefiting from today. So that was the first foray into marketing through the market research lens and using, you know, using data to help the business. But from then on, I, I realized I don't want to just always analyze data alone. I want to be really figuring out what the real marketing is like. And my manager, again, was supportive enough to, you know, help me change from doing market research to be doing the core product marketing, right, for some of the public sector solutions we were working on back then. And th from there on, I was able to start my proper marketing job and at Microsoft. So have a lot of, you know, um, I feel a lot of, I just basically attribute a lot of my learnings and building the foundation to Microsoft for giving me a very solid start there. That's phenomenal. And that manager, what a great uh, job he did, um, because to just understand that it was probably shocking for you to find out the job you're hiring for. I know, right? <laughs> but then to figure out where your talents are best suited and then culture or, you know, cultivate those and nurture those. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's really great leadership is what I would say. So that's fantastic. All right. Um, and now that I said that, who is your best manager and why? Is it that guy or is it someone that else? That guy is close enough. He is the one that got me started, but I, I've been pretty lucky in having, you know, great manager throughout my career. I would say when I joined Google, my manager there was phenomenal. He was the one that pushed me always to have 10x thinking, which now today I'm practicing the same trick with my team. What is a 10x? What can you do differently? But I would say if I can only pick one, that person, it's probably going to be Steph Carullo, um, who just recently retired from Box. So Steph has been a mentor and a friend uh, since day one I joined Box. You know, Amanda, you know Steph well enough, so I probably, you know, just preaching yeah. to the choir, right? Um, Steph was the one who brought me into Box, and she trusted me with owning the dementia and responsibility for the entire company. That was a huge responsibility back then, and she hired me, and we she shared a lot of vision and philosophy with me, which, you know, enabled me to make sure we have a tight marketing plan to make the change under her leadership. And then she also sets a role model of how she drives discipline across the entire business, marketing, sales, product management. And then we can have a cohesion in how we approach the go-to-market motion. Like one of the things I remember is having those weekly pipeline review meetings. And Amanda, you and I were on those a lot. 
And in those meetings, we were very disciplined about how to look at a data and how do we analyze the data in understanding what's what's lacking in certain areas. And then we discuss solutions. So that is a model. Well, it sounds like pretty basic and routine, but it's actually it's a way that business all need today is how do you bring different functions together to solve critical business needs? And that's something I need to, like I'm practicing this on a daily basis, right? So that is something Steph set a role model and show me how to do it. And she empowered me to carry that forward once I get fully started. And Steph is also someone who's very honest with people and she's never shy about giving feedback. And when I was thinking about my own- That is true. Yes, I can reinforce uh, that statement. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So like when I was thinking about my overall career development, I said, while well, I enjoy my role at Box, I, someday I see myself going into a CMO role, right? From dementia and growing broader responsibilities. She's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, you need to have that aspiration and she's willing to help me and look for what's next. So all of that is just making me feel like I'm not just working for her, but she's really someone that's inspiring me to do the best and think about what's next for myself and, and challenge myself. And even after I left um, Box, Steph and, Steph and I stayed in touch. And every couple of months, she and I will catch up and she will give me feedback on, you know, when I run into questions, she'll give me advice about how to approach it as someone who has done it in the past. So overall, I'm just, you know, owing a lot of my accomplishment to Steph. And, you know, she's always there for me. So I was lucky to have that. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, she uh, she will be missed here at Box. She's still kind of here in an advisory position. But um, yeah, she uh, the thing that I've noticed about Steph and the sort of that we can take out as like a good leader across the board is she works with she has worked with people <laughs> uh, and where she's like, oh, I'm getting you ready for the next thing right? Like you're, what is your next thing? Let's make sure it doesn't have to be here, right? I understand that. Let, let me, you know, let's just prepare you for what that is, whether it's here or somewhere else. Um, and so, and she was able to do that for many people across the org, which is, uh, which is, um, you know, that's time and effort and focus. And I think that was really, it's just a great legacy. And you see that with, um, you know, uh, I interviewed Tiffany on this, uh, Tiffany Stevenson. Uh, she's a chief people officer over at, um, at Weight Watchers now, but she came from Box and she she also credited staff with uh, um, a ton of that input. So um, a development, which is uh, which is great. So um, and I think if we were to pull that up, I pull that out. It's really just, again, preparing you for the next thing. Right. And just a, a leader being open to that. Right. Um, and not just being like, oh, no, don't leave me. <laughs> exactly. I remember the day when I told her, hey, I got a CMO offer, right? I'm about to leave Vox. I was quite nervous and think she'll be mad at me. But no, she was you know, saying, yeah, that's great. You know, that's a good move for you. Go for it. And that it just tells a lot about the leader, the character she is. That's um, that's great stuff. All right. Um, what is the best career decision you ever made? Um, I would say it's probably when I was at Google, um, I joined Google to do public sector marketing, and that was inheriting what I built up at Microsoft, right? It's a seamless transition, keep doing in the same space and, and just owning government marketing. And I realized I've been doing government marketing for nine years at that point, and I see the outside world, non-public sector business world. I was like, 
does it make sense for me to expand my scope or, you know, do, does it make sense for me to go deep within marketing? Cause I am the expert in that was nine years behind me already. And there was a, an opportunity back then to um, build the GCP overall marketing Google cloud platform in the early days for the entire America's business. And I made a decision to give up my government role, but apply for the GCP marketing role. And it was a torture back then because it was nine years expertise. It's a, it's a, it's a baggage. It's something that others don't have. You know the space really well, but if you have to switch, you give up all of that um, expertise, domain expertise, and you have to build up again. But I'm very, very glad I made the transition because then it opened up the entire new world for me. And now I'm not just about one particular industry. I have all the industry I can embrace. And my learnings from the gov sector, it's still applicable because we're still talking about the large enterprise and a lot of motion, it's similar. But now I can learn way more about the finance industry, about you know entertainment, media, about just overall the entire enterprise space. And that set me up for what's coming next in my other roles following that move. So that's probably the biggest decision I made to give up something I've got and start new. And did you map that out at all? So this is obviously pre-Box, pre-Steph as a mentor and, and guide, but, um, you know, so did you, did anyone sit down with you and map out your career at that point? Or was it just, you just felt like you needed to make a change? It was probably more, I need to make a change. And I Definitely didn't think I would become a CMO one day, right? Knowing at Google, people stay a long time and the org gets very flat. To get to a director is um, a big move, not to say become a VP or CMO at someday. So I actually didn't even think about that far out, but I just know like I want to keep learning and I want to keep enhancing my skill sets. And I know if I keep doing that someday, I'm probably going to do something bigger and better. But then as I move um, towards the last couple of years at Google, I know I was hitting a point about, okay, I feel like I'm doing the same thing again and again. It's probably about time to change. And that's why when I, I started to be open to outside world, outside of the Google, and that's when that box opportunity came up to own the entire demand gen function um, and become a VP at Box. And that's where I, at that point, probably I started to see a bit more clear path forward. Okay, time is up, right? It's beyond Google days and there is a life outside of Google. Now go take that challenge and see what come next. Yeah. Great. It's awesome. And it's good that you were to be brave almost, right? To, to know that you, if you want to expand, you're going to have to try something new and um, different and start somewhat, not somewhat a little bit over. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You cannot always be in a comfort zone. If you are in a comfort zone, then you're probably in problem. You're in danger. Right. No, that's true. And um, what key piece of advice would you give to our listeners on building a successful career? One thing that I know that I've always had in me is to have a goal, um, whether that goal, it's a small goal or a big goal, it's some sort of goal. Like when I was um, back in China, I know I want to come to the States. That was my goal back then. And when I came to the States, I know I really want to get into the business world, right? Once I get into Microsoft, I know I want to get into marketing. And once I get into marketing, I kind of know, okay, now I want to learn more marketing, not just government marketing. So there is always something guiding myself. And then I would just make sure whatever I do, 
is to ladder up to that goal I have. And that then everything else become natural. But if you don't have a goal for yourself, small or big, then sometimes you might be wasting your time or you might get lost, right? And why am I doing this? What am I trying to achieve? That makes sense. Um, okay, uh, let's see what, uh, what I have a list of questions. Let me go through the next one. Um, what is one skill that you have you believe has led to your success? Yeah, as I alluded to earlier, I think having a very data-driven mindset is um, it's a tool that I've been used a lot. I like math when I was in in my like when I was young in school, right? I always do do that well. And then I was able to take on the market research job at Microsoft. That is really, as I said, laying the foundation to have a very data-driven mindset when it comes to marketing. It's super critical to be able to look at the data and quickly figure out what is the problem, what is the opportunity, and be able to ask those questions and then figuring out the solutions. And that is how we can get better every day. We look at our pay media performance and say, okay, based on the pay media performance, we can see certain traffic source, it's producing more outcome, certain traffic source, it's producing better ROI, certain traffic course, it's super expensive, but the conversion rate is super high, right? So when you tally up all the different data points, you can really make rationalize the business decision. And it's also a lot easier for you to convince your colleagues, your peers, your management team about and make the case for what you need support for, what changes you are bringing in, and then rally the whole team behind it. And that is just, you know, today in today's business world, you have to have that data-driven mindset. No, absolutely agree with that. Um, all right. Uh, what is your super strength? Probably it's to be resilient. Um, and just sometimes you, you're be a bit stubborn and you have the goals in your mind, um, you don't want to easily give up. And I'll tell you the story. I've been telling some people my journey to the States as easy. I sounded like I came to the States to study actually was not that easy. I started applying to U.S. college when I was in my undergrad study at Fudan. And I got a full scholarship in my uh, um, third year in the college so that I can be transferred to a college in the States with a full scholarship. So I thought, okay, I've got a full scholarship. Um, I'm going to just quit my school and here we go. So I went to apply for the visa, but guess what? For once, twice, up until seven times, my visa was rejected. I keep going back and I said, why do you guys reject me? I have full scholarship. I have full financial support, right? And it's a legit school and I'm doing well. So why did you stop me? I just couldn't believe they, they didn't want me to go to the States. What I was told in the end was, um, you are in a good school in China. Why don't you finish your college, finish four years, and then go apply for a master's degree? They think that's a better decision. I still don't understand why they have to make that personal choice for me. But and, if they don't who issue was this? Was this the U.S. government or the Chinese? U.S. embassy. U.S. embassy, yeah, in China. Um, I even went all the way to Beijing, thought maybe I have a better shot at Beijing, you know, versus Shanghai. They said, go back to your home city. We don't even let you in the door. So I didn't even see the officer in Beijing, but then I had to. But anyway, after seven tries, school has already started and I still didn't have my visa to come to the States. So I said, okay, now I listen to you guys. I reactivated my student status with Fudan, finished my college year uh, last year. 
And then I took their advice and I applied again to the graduate school. And this time I finally got my visa. That's my ace try. And, you know, they didn't stop me. Right. It's uh, this is a little bit stubbornness in me. I had a goal of coming to the States. I tried my best efforts and finally I made it. That is amazing. And what a motivating um, uh, thing as well for you to do well academically, <laughs> like, right? Because you knew where you were going to your point about like, have a goal that is a, like an amazing exactly. goal. And yeah. it certainly like sounds like that really drove your academic achievement, which is, I mean, because Duke is a great university here. So like, that's really, really impressive to get the two degrees from there. Um, what uh, is your main fault? Coming from China and being raised in the culture where being humble and being respectful, it's always, you know, appreciated. I was super quiet when I first came. And I remember when I joined Microsoft, I was the youngest person on the team and I was the quietest person on the team. To the extent some people, like I heard others saying, does she even know what we're doing? Does she even get what we're trying to do? Because she's never said anything. So I know that's my, um, the perception of Wendy is she's quiet, right? So that's just something I told myself I need to change. And my every year my manager gave me the feedback, you need to improve your communication. You need to have a better presence. So I, I do think now over these years, I've come a long way. I've got a bit more vocal and to the extent, you know, like as a CMO, you have to, right. But it's something definitely, it didn't serve me well in the early years. And yeah, I have in the U S right. Culture shock wise. That's a very different yeah. thing. Um, you know, personally, my experience um, was, um, uh, when I came, I was obviously came from Ireland, very different. English is our first language. So like, so, um, but uh, the Irish people apologize a lot. <laughs> and so I was literally, oh, sorry. And you just do it as like a natural mm -hmm. thing, right? Um, oh, sorry, sorry. But even when it's not your fault. And I had to be trained to not apologize for things that were not my fault. Like they were literally like, no, you need to, you sound like you are not confident. And I'd be like, well, I am confident. This is just how I speak. And they'd be like, time to adjust that so uh kind of interesting but similar kind of culture shock i think as well at the start yes. americans expect you to be confident and to lean in right um in uh in the in the in the business world um oh and i did have a, a flip side of that so there's also positivity though to be a person that listens and is thoughtful so i feel like you haven't lost that and that's good you know, just, that's that's just being a good listener. That's always one of my strengths because I do listen, right? One of the tricks uh, one, one of my manager gave me, I think was super helpful for me to overcome this is he said, why don't you start making one comment each meeting? Just one comment, right? And then that evolved to be, why don't you challenge one person, just one person each meeting, right? From making a comment to challenge someone or, you know, critis crit like make a critical comment, to something like that, it helped me ease the um, anxiety about, okay, so what am I gonna say in this meeting? I'm gonna do some prep work and have a point of view about what I'm gonna say. And so some of those prep work just ease out the anxiety and allow me to be more vocal in meetings. And as you practice this, it just become more natural as it goes. It's amazing. That's again, such a, such a helpful manager as well. What inspires you most? Um, I probably would attribute this to my mom. Um, my mom, obviously she has retired, but if I tell you the kind of things she took up 
after her retirement, you would probably be also amazed as I am. So she started learning Tai Chi um, after she retired. And when she came to the States to visit me, she even participated in some of the competition locally and won medals. She started picking up clarinet. She's now performing at a band and like on stage. And once she's even joined a choir on TV, I've seen her on talent show on TV, being part of the choir. And I have paintings on my wall that's from her. She picked up Chinese painting, right? Um, just learned how to do all of that. All of these things she started after she's almost into her 60s. And she's an, like a continuous learner. And her passion for things, it's just second to none. And I'm always amazed at the new things she's learning at this stage. Um, my mom is now 76 right? So she's picking up so many things and always me feel embarrassed. Your mom at 76 is doing all these new things she's learning. Like what excuse do you have to not learn new things and challenge yourself? So that is always, yeah, mom, it's always the inspiration for me. That's amazing. She sounds awesome. And it's, I think you're right though. It's, I, and before we hit record and started recording the podcast, we were talking about like people, your your whole life is a learning journey, right? Like, so everyone continues to learn. And if you just are open to that, you don't have to stagnate at any point, career-wise or in your life. In, in exactly. The, in the future. Yeah. Um, cool. What would you like to change about your current role? It's your favorite role career to date, but what would you like to change about it? Yeah, I would say in my first two and a half years at SailPoint, a lot of has been heads down, focus on internal stuff. How do we build the marketing function? What do we need to do? Programs, campaigns, events, blah, blah, blah. I feel now we're at a point where I've got a structure set in place. We've got a good rhythm going and the business is doing very well. It's time for me actually to step out a bit to take on more an outside in approach, right? To say, okay, now let me open my eyes wide for what is the bigger trend going on in the whole industry? What are my peers doing? What are other CMOs practicing? So I can really connect more with those people and the network, build a network to see what can I learn from those and bring back in. Because going back to the learning that we were just on, right? We got to keep learning the best practice out. I feel we're at a stage where we're really honed the machine pretty efficiently internally, but there, what else can we do? And I need to bring in the external perspectives to help us push us to the next journey. It's great um, and exciting as well. Exactly. And if you didn't do this, but could do anything at all, what would it be? Yeah, I always, you know, aspire to really take on some initiative that will benefit um, the people who are underprivileged. I have a child that has some special needs. So experiencing that firsthand, just I realize our life becomes a lot easier because of the people who are supporting our child. I'll give you an example. Um, when we go ski for my son with some physical challenges, skiing, it's almost mission impossible for him. But there is this organization called Achieve Tahoe at Lake Tahoe. It's a bunch of volunteers that they will team together to help anyone with disability to experience skiing and providing them the same experience that we would have ourselves. And those people, they're just, they're volunteers, right? No one asked them to, but they just want to provide the, the community with the same experience and put a smile on these people. And so I have a lot of respect 
for these people. And in my spare time, if I can, I would do same things to give back to the community that's been supporting our family, right? And I, I feel that's just super meaningful for those um, underprivileged or with different kind of needs in a society. It's amazing. That's a, it sounds like a really great organization. That's uh that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, if you could live anywhere, where would you like to live? And it's okay to say where you live right now. <laughs> I mean, I love my home in California. Um, love everything here. But if I get to choose again, I probably would choose to go back to Shanghai, um, where I came from. It's just such a vibrant city and the, the, the speed things move at, the amount of opportunity there is amazing. And not to say that um, being the only child with parents still in Shanghai, I still want to be staying closer to my parents and, you know, can enjoy the time together with them much more versus every time it's come and go, come and go. Right. So yeah, I probably would choose Shanghai. Oh, interesting. I actually didn't think you would say that. So that's, uh, that's interesting. And um, what is your favorite podcast? You don't have to say this one. There are many of them that I listen to on a regular basis, but one thing I'll call out for those of you who are in marketing or sales, this one, it's called Revenue Vitals. Um, it has a lot of good discussion on the latest in marketing and sales trends and best practices. And some topics are just like, oh, wow, exactly. This is the tip I need to do this um, for my job. Or I have this problem and they're discussing this. Let me learn. So highly recommend you check out Revenue Vitals. Revenue Vitals. Yes. And is it on Apple Podcasts? Yes, Spotify? it's on Apple pa Podcast. Revenue Vitals. Okay, cool. I wrote it. I, I took a note. And I, I there will you go. Um, and final questions, kind of fun. What is your favorite business book? Angela Duckworth, Grit. So Amanda, you remember Angela came to discuss at Vox one year at our yeah. sales kickoff, right? I was very inspired by her. So I bought a book afterwards. And the book, I just resonated so well with it. The philosophy Angela's sharing, having the grit is going to be really critical to success. While many people have talent, if you have grit, you're halfway there. So highly recommend the book. Absolutely. Um, it's actually, we hire for that in sales. Like it's uh, she, yeah. Uh, exactly. Inspirational for sure. Yeah. All right, Wendy, thank you so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. This was fantastic. Uh, really impressive career and uh, long may it continue. But uh, again, thanks to everyone as well for listening. And um, I will see you all next time. Take care. Thanks, Amanda.